1: Welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast once again. And as always, I am Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. With us in the studio today is Jane Costen, who I'm very excited to get to introduce to you in just a few minutes. But first, I have some blanket advice for all of you. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions lately, actually, from people asking about the etiquette behind deleting a social media account or deleting several social media accounts, Um there have been a lot of people saying, do I have to inform everyone I am Facebook friends with that I'm about to leave Facebook? Do I have to make an announcement of some kind? And I'm here to give you all a dispensation and say, if you would like to quit a social media account, any social media account, no matter how much you've used it previously, you can do it. You can do it right now. You can do it as you're listening to this podcast. You don't have to tell anybody shit. You can just go because it's not your job it's not a relationship you can just stop doing it uh, i guess the caveat should be if it is your job don't do that like if you if you are required to have this particular social media account for work don't just quit it without telling anyone. That's terrible advice. But yeah, if you are just like tired of fighting with your in-laws on Facebook and it's not bringing you any joy, you can just go, especially if everybody already has your phone number or your email information. There's no breach of etiquette. If you, I don't know, stop using Instagram, but forget to like email everyone just in case they were going to like freak out. Like I think probably you will find uh, that pretty quickly nobody, nobody really noticed. Um, and that's a good thing. It's wonderful. It reminds us all that someday we're going to die and that that's okay and that the world will continue on without us. And um, we can seek meaning from other things. Uh, and you, of course, don't have to quit social media. But if you feel like it, if you want to do it, you you do not have to make a formal announcement. You do not have to reach out to all of your contacts and say, please brace yourselves. Uh, soon you will see me less online. Like, you can just go for it. Um, so go forth. Delete or don't delete your account as you see fit. Um and actually, uh, to that end, uh, I'd like to introduce our guest uh, Jane Cosen who's a political writer for MTV, who's based in DC, uh, and you can find her on Twitter at at
2: cjane87. Hi, Jane. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I've been listening to a lot of Wham lately, so I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty sprightly. Oh man, that's a wonderful, wonderful choice. Um, have you been listening to like deep cuts of Wham? Like, is there anything you want to recommend to our listeners? I think everyone should go listen to the song and then watch the Top of the Pops performance of the song Young Guns and tell me what you think it's about because there's what I think it's about. Though apparently in 1983, everyone was like, oh, this definitely isn't about maybe a homosexual relationship. And then I'm watching it being like, no, no, it is. So I'd like everyone to go listen to the song and then come back and tell me what you think it's about. I mean, spoiler alert, Jane. You've already told us what you think it is about. But that's great. Now you guys all have two pieces of advice, which is
1: one, if you're planning on deleting your social media account, don't tell anyone unless you feel like it. Um, And then the other one is go watch this Top of the Pops performance and report back to Jane. Find her on Twitter. Tell her exactly
2: what your thoughts are. Agreed. So don't quit Twitter until you've told Jane what you think. Yes. Awesome. You can literally, like, the second before you quit Twitter, tell me what you think about Young Guns by Wham Mm -hmm. and then quit. That sounds like just as good a use of social media as any I can possibly think of. It might be the best. Oh
1: man. Well, um there's no way to segue from that to our first letter because they have nothing in common at all. So I'm not going to try. I'm not going to bother. Uh, but I would like to start giving advice to people, and I'm going to to that end, read our first letter. Are you amenable to that? I'm ready. This one's a uh, this one's this one's rough. All right. here we go. Dear Prudence, my family and I are normally very close, but we've got a tense situation that I don't know how to resolve. My brother got married very young to a nice girl with a four-month-old baby. He was not the father, but we accepted Ava as a member of the family, and she started calling him dad as soon as she could speak. My brother was deployed to Iraq, and upon his return, his marriage deteriorated. They both cheated, and they had an ugly divorce within a year. Both my brother and his ex-wife started dating other people, and each new partner made it clear they wanted my brother to stop seeing the girl he'd once called his daughter, who was three by then. He agreed that this would be easiest, but my parents and I were really disappointed in his choice. Ava called me her aunt, and my sons were her cousins. It kind of felt like a death in the family. Two years later, Ava's mother suffered permanent brain damage in a motorcycle accident. Her family took Ava in, and my mother reached out to them, and we started seeing Ava again. She remembered all of us, and she's still sweet, loving, and incredibly bright. She still does not know that my brother is not her biological father. Not that this would justify his walking out of her life. I just think it's wrong that she's been lied to. My brother's new wife sees this all as a betrayal, says that we are obsessed with my brother's old relationship, and wants us to stop seeing Ava entirely. Ava is now seven. Neither of them have ever tried to see Ava, and we've never asked my brother to try to be a father to her again. My brother's overseas again now, and we don't mention him to her. I assume at this point she's just used to having an absentee father. I just want the freedom to love a blameless girl that we consider part of our family. She's essentially an orphan who's had a pretty lousy hand dealt to her, and I feel it would be really wrong to push her away now. I think my sister-in-law should see this as a good thing, because it shows how my family will treat children with love and respect, even if their parents' marriage don't work out. My sister-in-law also has children of her own who are not my brother's. My sister-in-law has asked her sons to remove us from Facebook and will no longer speak to us. I'm not sure what she told them about why we no longer get together. My brother sided with her and wants us to immediately stop seeing Ava or they will no longer see us. I feel like a hostage to their tantrums and just want to enjoy my niece in peace. What do you think I should do? Wow. Yeah, it's customary at the end of letters like this to either let out a long whistle or go with a wow or just like a pained groan. Um,
2: Any of which are great options. I'll also add in... Yeah, yeah. A wow and an oi both, I think. Um, I agree. So I was thinking about this and I really think that the part where she talks about, you know, I just want the freedom to love a blameless girl. I think that's that's the linchpin for me. Like, I honestly, I don't understand why her family is so like... Why this family is deciding that, oh, if we just never discuss Ava, it's like mischief managed. We handled it. It never happened because this all took place. We They were all there for it. And then you have a seven-year-old who wonders why all these people want, don't want to talk to her anymore. And from the seven-year-old's perspective, that's pretty shitty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's some weird... um kind of thoughts, assumptions, motivations behind some of the brother's behavior that you sometimes see in people who who leap into things like adoption without kind of thinking through what it means, where there's this sort of idea like, oh, well, because I chose to become a father to her, I can unchoose it later if things don't work out. Um, right. Obviously, the question is not, how do I make my brother be a parent to this child again? Like, it seems like that's probably not going to happen. Um, and I don't think that she needs to go out of her way to try to encourage him to to... Stand by this girl, um, but I just think that's really sad. This idea of like, oh yeah, I'll be a father to her as long as I'm with her mother. Um, happy to let her call me dad. Happy to like parent her, etc. Like just blur all those boundaries. But if it doesn't work out between the two of us, like I'm out, unadopted. And again, I know they didn't go through a formal adoption process, but this kind of idea of like, oh, I, you know, I can stop being your parent just as easily as I could stop being her, you know, husband.
2: Right, right. And you can't undead Like, that is a relationship you cannot undo. Right. And that is, especially since, you know... Or, like, you can, obviously. Uh, Dads do it all the time, but... Right, yes, but it's not... It doesn't work that way. Right. Or it shouldn't. Right. And so, especially because, you know, Ava's mother is... Has suffered permanent brain damage, and Ava's in a situation in which she's still, you know, she remembers everyone. This is her family. These are the people who she should be able to lean on. And for... You know, it's not an obsession with the old relationship if your your obsession is, let's take care of a little kid who could use some love and kindness.
1: Right. I mean, like, this little girl is not a threat
2: to right. your
1: brother's wife or their relationship in any way. Like, she is not accurately seeing the situation. She's seven years old, right? Like, it was already messed up at three to think, like, oh, maybe I can just bounce out of her life and she won't remember. Like, three-year-olds are aware they 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 recognize people from day to day. They notice when someone goes missing, like um, right. But that's even like more true at seven. Like she's 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 got memories. Like she knows who her family is. She knows who you are. Like you can't just like I don't know throw a like sack over your head and like oh I can't see you. Maybe you can't see me now. Like she's right. she's no, a child. She's not, a cat. she's not an exactly yeah. Um, and I'm sure even cats notice like when they're rehomed. Right. Like. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, you're absolutely correct in saying, like, this is not a real threat to your brother's sister or your brother's wife, rather. Um, there's no real reason for her to, like, be against this, like, in any way. Like, it doesn't harm her kids. It doesn't harm her relationship. Um no. She's behaving outrageously. Yeah, you absolutely should draw a line here and say, like... This little girl has been my niece for the last seven years. She's in my life. I didn't just, like, whimsically walk into her life and think it'd be kind of fun to be someone's aunt for a couple years and then bounce. Like, I'm going to have an ongoing relationship with her. That's done. And if your brother and his wife and their kids... um say like well not that they're kids like they're obviously just going to do what their parents tell them to do they're not making a decision but if their response is then we're not going to hang out like that's really sad and you can say like that makes me really sad if you ever change your mind i'd love to hear from you but no do not abandon this little girl um whose mother like cannot care for her and whose biological father is gone and who's like uh, you know the the next guy who tried to parent her abandon her like no don't leave her
2: no no that's also, this is basically how every episode of intervention has ever started. So no, don't abandon her. Yeah, that's bad. Bad things will happen.
1: Yeah, no, you're like you are seeing the situation correctly. I think you have good values in the situation. I think you're trying to do the right thing. I think you are doing the right thing, and I think uh, your brother and his his new wife are just about as wrong as you can be here. basically. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. You 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 absolutely should make it really clear that you're not going to change uh, the way that you interact with Ava, and that if they don't like it, um, they are welcome to process those feelings elsewhere. Agreed. Yeah, man. This yeah, this was like a was like the beginning of a Jane Austen novel. You know, we're just like yeah, that's this like plucky young near orphan is like got a terrible side of the family and a great side of the family, and the terrible side of the right. family is like driving
2: everyone bonkers. Right. No, there's definitely someone in an attic somewhere. All right, all right. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and read our next letter? I would. Dear Prince, My mother battled cancer a number of years ago, and we are so glad she survived and will get to know her grandchildren. But she has an upsetting habit of using her cancer as a way of manipulating situations. If she wants to spoil a grandchild with an unnecessary toy after I say no, she brings up surviving cancer as if that has anything to do with it, and then says she'll buy the item in question anyway. If we might do something else on a holiday, she says, but I survived cancer, so you should spend the holiday with me. It's so upsetting when she brings it up like this, and she acts like it's a trump card for anything she wants to do. What should we do?
1: I went into this, by the way, thinking like, okay, you definitely got to lay down the law. And then like the only examples are kind of sweet. Like she wants to buy some toys and spend time together on the
2: holidays. Like I I thought this was going to be worse than it was. Right. And especially because I think that, I think cancer is one of those life changes that continues affecting the person who had to live through it, even when the other people around them are like, okay, we get it, we've processed it. It sounds to me like this person's mother, like, they are still dealing with the fact that they came very close to death and then didn't die. right? And so I think that in some ways this is kind of their way of processing it because they still see that, you know especially if you've gone into remission and you've dealt with that process, you still have checkups every six months to be like, is this back? Is this back? It's still something I'm sure she thinks about all the time. And so I'm sure that in some ways she sees her grandchildren and she's like, you know, if my cancer returned or if something happened, you know, this this could be the last Christmas toy I get to get for this grandchild. This could be the last what holiday I got to spend with my family. Like, she would still be thinking like that in the back of her mind, even when for her family members, for her daughter, for her children, they would be thinking like, oh, that was five, six years ago. Let's move on. Things are different now.
1: Right, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm not sympathetic to the letter writer. I I don't think that they're being wildly unreasonable, and I totally understand that you don't want that to be every conversation. But there's a difference between like a parent who— is like saying really cruel things and then when you try to call them out on it they say oh I had cancer or they're demanding money and when you say like I can't afford that then they're saying oh I had cancer right like to put it in perspective absolutely like ideally you will not be having conversations for the rest of her life that are based around what she gets to do because she once had cancer but she's not trying to do some malicious stuff she's not trying to like interfere with the way that you raise your kids like she's uh, she wants to spoil her kids with more gifts than you need and, and she wants to spend the holidays together. Again, that doesn't mean you don't have the right to sometimes set limits, but but like to keep in perspective, it sounds like this is coming from a place of she's still like Ebenezer Scrooge running down the street Christmas Day, like pointing at urchins and saying, what day is this? Like she's, right. this is coming from a place of like joy, loneliness, fear, wanting to give presents, wanting to be with her family. Like it's it's not malicious. It's not cruel.
2: Right. No, I completely agree.
1: Um, That said, like, do you think this letter writer has the right to sometimes draw a line? Like, what do you think the balance should be between like saying, yep, you had cancer, so we're going to like maybe spend some more holidays with you than we otherwise would versus when is it okay for them to say no and how do they do that?
2: I think that it's definitely okay to say no. And especially if you put if you can compromise, because I think it's sort of like you know, I've had friends who moved, I live in DC and I had a friend who moved to DC from San Francisco. And for like the first year, they were constantly talking about things like, well, in San Francisco, we do whatever. And you'd be like, okay, you just moved. And then like two years go by, three years go by, and they're still bringing up San Francisco all the time. And I'm like, guys, we're not in San Francisco. This is different. But I recognize that like, it takes a while to adjust to a new reality. And I think that that's the same thing that this mother is going through. So I think that, you know, If next year she's like, you know, why are we not spending, you know, why, you know, I had cancer, let's not spend the holiday apart. You could say something like, well, I think that, you know, we'll spend the week before Christmas in X place, but we'll spend Christmas Eve with you or, you know, some sort of compromise so that it's not exactly what the mother wants, but it's close – And it's not exactly what you want, but it's somewhere in the middle that works for both parties. Right. I think
1: there are some people... Like, we get letters sometimes where it feels like this is a person who it would be impossible to meet halfway. This is a person you just have to say no to. And sometimes there are people where it feels like there is a possibility that you could meet this person halfway. Um, and I think it's really important to distinguish between those various situations. And I think this sounds like, again, maybe there's stuff the letter writers is withholding. Maybe they actually are doing a lot more really unsavory stuff. But, like, if this is all that's going on, I think it's really possible to meet this person halfway. Like and even maybe have a conversation like if you and your mom have an otherwise okay relationship to just say like mom I'd love to talk to you about like what your feelings are like when it comes to buying the grandkids toys like can you tell me like are you like and and you're not doing it like I want to figure out what's wrong with you so I can stop it but just kind of like you know what does it feel like. When you buy them presents, like, are you, what are you thinking? What kind of relationship do you want to have with them? Like, what, what are you grateful for that you're going to get to see? Like, just to kind of get a feel for, like, how's she doing? Um, because, you know, like, it's obviously there's a lot of feelings there. And you can absolutely right. say, like, I want to set some sort of cap on presents. Like, You know, maybe go nuts at Christmas, mom, and, like, go a little nuts at birthdays and, like, one or other two presents a a year. But beyond that, like, if you give her more presents, I just want you to know I'm going to, like, donate them to charity or, like, pass them off to friends. And you can do that. And if she says, but I had cancer, you can be like, absolutely, you did. And I'm so thrilled that you're better. And this is still a limit that I'm going to set. And these two don't have anything to do with the other. Um, And that's just a thing where you just get to hold firm to your no. And if she says I have cancer over and over again... You just get to keep saying, I know, and I'm so glad that you're better. And, like, there's also going to be a limit here. Exactly. Um, Same thing with holidays. Again, like, I think it would be worth, if you guys have an otherwise good relationship, to maybe spend a bit more time with her on the holidays or, like, offer an alternative. Like, we're going to spend, like, a couple days around Christmas at this place, but, like, we'd love to have you come up in February and do something special like Again, like if if this is a good person, if she's a loving person, if you love having her around, like find ways to like do little special things that kind of just celebrate or acknowledge the fact that she survived something she thought she might not. Like that's absolutely worth doing. And then, you know, within limits, um, if there's stuff you occasionally want to do that's like, well, we want to spend Arbor Day by ourselves or something like you can absolutely just say, mom, I love you. I love our time together, um, but we're going to do this. Um, and right. you just have to be able to, like, do that even if you feel upset, even if she says, but I had cancer. Um, I exactly.
2: Think, like, yeah. that, yeah, at a certain point, you kind of have to let someone else be angry for a little while.
1: Yep, yep. Yep. And just say, like, Mom, it sounds like this is bringing up a lot of stuff for you. I really hope you're able to talk about this um, with, like, a therapist. or with And, and, you know, not like, go talk about this in therapy, you messed up, jerk. Um, Like, Right? Right. Like, there's a way to say go talk to a therapist that's like, I hope you get to. And there's a way to say it that's like, you're really messed up and you need help. Um, And just say, like, I hope you can talk about these feelings with, like, a cancer support group or, or like, your friends or your therapist or your doctor. But, like, uh, you know. I, I, I'm not going to, like, dictate all my travel plans for the rest of my life based on, like, your statuses of of, of having had cancer. Um, but don't open with that, right? Like, don't open right. with that. Because it's not at that place yet, it doesn't sound like.
0: Exactly. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All
1: right. Well, uh, let's take it to a next level because I'm really excited to advise our next letter writer. Me too. Okay, good. I'm glad. I have a feeling we're going to be on a similar page. We might even be same paragraph. Um, here it goes. Dear Prudence, my family is friends with a couple my parents' age, Bob and Barbara. I've taken classes from and have worked with Barbara at my local university. My mother recently found out that Bob has been sexually harassing alumni of this college, which my parents also attended. He's been sending sexually explicit messages to a number of women who've been discussing his behavior in a closed group on Facebook that my mother's a part of. My family's appalled. My father intends to take Bob aside and tell him to knock it off for the sake of his family and his political career. Barbara and I are currently writing a paper together, and I'm relying on her for letters of recommendations for grad school and for fellowships. I think someone ought to tell Barbara about what Bob's been doing. Should it be me? I'm worried that if Barbara doesn't believe me or gets defensive, she may no longer wish to work with me or support my grad school applications. My family's urged me to stay quiet, but no one appears to want to tell Barbara that her husband has been pestering alumni of his college to engage in sex acts with him. Help. Oh, Bob and Barbara. Part of me wants oh. to triangulate this information and find out, like, what person with a political career this might I be. Um, but this could I be know. anything, right? Especially, this could be, like, a city councilman.
2: Right. Or one of those, like, small—yeah, this this could be a very, like, small-town situation. But I think that it's, it's tough because I understand the position that this person is in of just being, like, you know— if Barbara's like, that's not true, or like gets really upset, that is kind of the end of this process that this person has clearly been working really hard on to getting into grad school or for fellowships. But on the other hand, this is gross. Like super gross. Yeah. This- Especially the fact that like if it's some if it's something that's happened so often that people are discussing it in a Facebook group, like right. that's like there's apparently like that's that's gross. It sounds that's like really there's gross. It sounds like
1: there's a real pattern. Um, It sounds like there's a lot of documentation that's probably going to come out at some point. Um, It sounds like it's been pretty unsolicited, like it's been a lot of alumni of this college. Um, So it's not like the sort of plausible deniability of like, oh, it was this person I was spending a lot of time with and I might have misread a signal. Like, it sounds like it's pretty calculated and like fairly gross. Um, So there's not a real gray area of like, oh, maybe it didn't happen like that. Like, it it sounds like, you know, it happened like how it happened. So, like, knowing that, like, your family's appalled, your dad's going to talk to him, um, like, you're all pretty repulsed by what he's done. I think that's the sort of, that should be what drives your next choice, not what might or might not happen to your career. Um, There are other people you have worked with who will be able to write you recommendations. Um, Your work will stand for itself. Your work will speak for itself. Um, I don't think you should let Barbara's ability to help or hinder your career dictate um, your next choice. I just don't.
2: No. No. And I you know, I get those concerns, but it just seems like this is something that's been happening and so, especially because, you know, if your father is already about to take action on Bob's side, I think that someone needs to let Barbara know. Right. Uh But especially if you had something like I think if he if this were something like if if there were at, you know, if you could print out the messages or something like that or just like Print out a screenshot from the Facebook group where people are talking while, like, xing out people's names. I think sometimes people react. I mean, I think she's going to react badly to this. Right. Understandably. Like, it's not going to go well. But I think having some sort of, like, and here is the proof that might be helpful.
1: I'm trying to think through. That's, That's definitely an intense thing to do. Uh, I'm trying to think through if it makes more sense to have seen it yourself. Like, it's always more, um, it's always easier to have this kind of conversation when you're not speaking, like, with third-hand information. Like, I think it would be important before you talk to Barbara to um, know what's been said, to know, like, what he has done. And, like, again, you don't necessarily have to give her, like, specific details about, like, acts and orifices that he described. But you can say, like, he has contacted multiple women, like, unsolicited from this college and has sent them, like, very sexually explicit messages. They're very upset about it. Uh, and you should know, like, there may be possible action taken in the future that you should be prepared for. And I want you to know this. Um, right. So you should know, right? Like, before yeah. before you have that conversation with her. Um, right. I'm trying to think. I don't want her to, like, do anything that could potentially land her in further trouble. So, like, um like, don't, don't disclose other people's names, right? Like, even exactly. if they're putting yeah. this, even if they're putting this out there in a way that may eventually become public, like, don't you? Like right now, they're putting it out in a Facebook group that's a closed group, right? right. And so there's that, that sort like... of questionable: how private, how public is that? If someone presses charges, could that be evidence? Like, you know, maybe no one's going to press charges. Maybe it's just gross behavior, not actionable behavior, um, right? But you know, either way, this is going to have repercussions on his career. Um, This is probably going to be public. Um, I I don't think there's any reason for you to keep this a secret, especially since you know her and you work closely with her. Like, it would be very difficult for you to work with her on a daily basis and pretend you don't know what's going on. Um, I think you should talk to her. Um, I think you should, like, approach it as this is something that really concerns me. I care a lot about you. I respect you. I know if I were in your position, I would want to know and that I would want to have all the information, um, and that I would also be really concerned. Um, So, like, with that, let that kind of be the way that you approach the conversation. Um, And let her response be what her response is. Like, ideally, she will say, I'm shocked and horrified uh, that that my husband is capable of this, and uh, I'm going to take action. Um, She might not do that. She might lash out she might deny it she might just have a big emotional response and need some time like but you can't control that all you can do is bring her the information in as honest and as kind a way as possible like there's only so kind you can be here obviously but um
2: no it's important regardless because it shouldn't you know the welfare of your grad school applications though very important i understand that but it doesn't this is more important And giving this person as much information as they need and then letting them decide from there, I think that that's the most important thing to do. Right.
1: Because especially think about, like, with these other alumna, like, we don't know their age. Like, we don't know if they're just starting out. But, like, if you are a young, recent graduate and you are getting sexually harassing messages from, like— a politician who also went to your college, who was probably well positioned to like help people along in their careers, whose partner is like a prominent uh, researcher at the university and also has the ability to help or hinder your career. Like, that's not just like the distress that comes with being sexually harassed, but there's also fear of like, if I speak up, my career might be damaged. So like, think about those other people and like, the fear that they're experiencing, like, you are doing a really good thing helping other people, like, be able to ask for recommendations from people without worrying it's going to come with a side of sexual harassment.
2: Yeah. I think that, yeah, I'm glad we're on, we are on the same page. Yeah, I, I think that it should be, I think it should be you because you're close with Barbara and you know,
1: you know? Right. Like, you're close with Barbara, you know, your dad's already going to tell Bob. Um, and, and so I think you are kind of uniquely positioned to do this and like hell yeah hell yeah do it and frankly like i I think if you didn't and you got a great recommendation out of her like you would not be able to sleep well at night right and i want you to be able to sleep well at night like i don't want
2: you to get a good recommendation at the expense of like your integrity no and because you would know that's the thing is that you know even if you got in and everything was great at you would know. And especially because yeah. this, this story sounds like the kind of one that in, like, 16 months, some enterprising young reporter is like, hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And then, like, suddenly you've got a giant story. Right. I, yeah. I, that's the kind of, like, if you had the opportunity to, like, do something about it early, you should.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the odds that this will never go public are probably small. Um so, but don't think of that like, oh, she'll probably find out anyways. I'm off the hook. Um, think of it in terms of like you know, if you d- if you don't say something, she's still going to find out. So you might as well oh, say yeah. something.
2: Like and especially because finding out through this person that she is working with and knows is way better than finding out from Reporter yelling at her outside right, her home. Right, right.
1: Yeah, that's definitely like minimizing unnecessary distress. Um, but yeah, I do it and let us know how it goes and let us know um, how you're doing because um, I, I hope that you're able to, to do this and do this well. Um, this next letter I love because I feel like it's just such a great example of how behavior in somebody we don't like, we find wildly acceptable. But if it was in somebody that we liked, it would not feel nearly as maddening, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, And that's what I feel like this letter exemplifies. So I'm going to read this one. Um, Dear Prudence, I have a male coworker who is overweight, smokes, and has a boorish personality. He has an office near my cubicle, but never closes the door. Throughout the whole year, he is coughing hacking, and making other disgusting, congested noises. This co-worker also has years of experience over me and is considered a technical expert. The simple answer is we all wear headphones all day, but sometimes we just don't want to or need to concentrate on our work. What can I do so that we aren't grossed out all day if we're not wearing headphones?
2: Oh. <laughs> I, I so, mean... The reason why I make that sound mm-hmm. is because I, I am, so uh, allow me to just explain something about myself. I Please recently do. discovered I was diagnosed. I am allergic to dust. No. I did not know this for like my entire life. So do you know what's everywhere, Mallory? Is it is it dust? It is dust. I, for years, was the person who sneezed and coughed all the time. In grade school, we read um, A Christmas Carol and then a friend of mine was like, oh, you're like Ebenezer. ebba sneezer. Oh. And so people called me Ebisneezer. Wow, that's like some it's high level I insults. I know, insults. I don't pronounce insults like that. I know. It's um but anyway, so yeah, it's it's you the thing about it is like you know that this isn't great on the person in their office's side either. Like they're not enjoying this. They are not like Coughing and hacking with joy and a plum. They are coughing and hacking because life is full of allergens and no one is happy. So, and also, no, I agree with you that this is the kind of thing that, like, if you clearly did not already dislike this person, this would not be something that you'd be like writing letters right. to anyone about.
1: There's nothing in here that says, like, we've like said anything, right? Like, right. we've You've tried just apparently it.
2: just sat there and right. Not done anything. And there's that line of they have years of
1: experience over me and are considered a technical expert as if that explains why they haven't said anything. Like, obviously, if someone's considered a technical expert, you're not allowed to say, hey, do you mind closing the door when you're coughing? Um, Right. Like, you actually can say that even if this person outranks you. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually super appropriate. So, like your your first, uh, uh, like this, I would understand this level of frustration if you were like, it's been years, we've asked really nicely, we've like closed the door for him, Uh, we've like suggested he like do the following things to try to minimize noise, and none of it's happening. But like your level of
2: frustration does not yet match the like amount of conflict you've experienced. So like, what you should do. um, Also, I don't like it when people bring up like, oh, this person like he's overweight, and I'm like, oh, totally. What. What what does that have to do? Any like, yeah, the yeah no, no, totally. Just can like sneeze and cough as much as they want. Yeah, They're just allowed. that
1: sense of like, I am looking for things not to like about you. Um, I have right. decided that being overweight uh, somehow makes you cough more, um, and I'm just real mad about that. And I just want to list like all the reasons why this person is unpleasant, unattractive, uh, just so that you will agree that they are like an unworthy, bad
2: person. Um, right. And like, which I, I don't agree. It sounds like this person is allergic to stuff and being allergic to stuff is rough, but that person can probably, you know, close their door. Right. And like, and I, you can I, ask them, like, hey, can you close your door? See, that's problem solved. Yeah. No, it, I like, I totally
1: understand when you dislike someone and you've just kind of like made this category for them in your heart of just like, person I am against. Um right, it can sometimes be hard uh to catch yourself when you're doing that because you're just always looking for like reasons they suck and why they're never gonna change, and they couldn't possibly um and it's like it's a bummer. this guy is boorish. I'm sorry to hear that. um it sounds like you don't like working near him, and it sounds like he's also making some sounds that are really like distracting and unpleasant. like I do think that that's real. I don't think that you're just making that up because you don't like him like absolutely, but then the thing to do is to politely say like, hey schmevin um. When you're coughing, do you mind closing the door? It's re- or, like, please close your door. Sorry, like, not do you mind. Right. Would you please close your door when you're coughing? Um, it's really distracting.
2: Um, that's, right. like, a totally appropriate think, thing to say. I think sometimes people really want to be told that, like, oh, it's okay if I, like, go around this person. Or, like, they're like, oh, you could tell this other person. I'm like, no, no, you're going to have to have, like, person-to-person discussion about closing a door. Right. Which is really not that hard or bad. Yeah. No, it's really easy and like also in the future it's okay if he
1: doesn't do it to like stop by his door and say, like, hey Shmevin, um, I'm gonna close the door. Like Right. I mean Like, don't, like, slam it in his face, obviously. Like, you know, you don't want to get in, like, a door shutting contest. But just, like, to, like, stop by his door if he's not doing it after you've asked. And you could say, like, hey, I hope you're feeling better. The coughing's really loud. Do you mind if I close the door? Then I think you should ask, actually. If you're, like, trying to close someone else's door for them, I think it is appropriate to, like, ask, is it okay? Um, But, yeah, like, that's appropriate next steps to take. And um, if he is at all reasonable, even if he's normally kind of a boorish guy, like— He's not going to say, right. like, which no, we you have to leave the door open. I must be allowed to cough yeah. into the hallway.
2: Right. No, that would be weird and boorish. But so far, we know that this person is overweight and coughs and sneezes a lot, which, you know. Yeah, the overweight sometimes.
1: doesn't really have anything to do with it. No, no, um, it doesn't. And even if you don't like that he smokes and maybe it leads to some of the coughing, like, you know, in your capacity as his coworker, it's not your business. Yeah. Like, first step nope. is talk to him. Second step, if he's not doing it, is to ask to close the door. Like next step after that is to like maybe see about getting a cubicle transfer
2: so that you're not like right next to this guy. But that's that's further down the line from like right. That's making like a request. Are, that's many steps. Yeah, that's many steps, and the first one is the easiest one.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, you gotta. I mean, I've definitely been in that place where I have, like, taken a—like, it's been a while, but, like, since I took a personal animus to a particular coworker, and instead of ever giving them the chance to self-correct or be reasonable, if I would bring them, like, something I wanted to change, I would just sit and stew and and just kind of think, like, man, they're doing it again, they're doing it again. I I just—I know if I were to ever talk to them about it, they wouldn't do it, and that's just not a good situation to be in. Don't do that to yourself. Right, Exactly. Jane, thank you so much. You are just full of good advice. And I also was pulling up your Twitter account earlier to remember how to say it appropriately. And I love the picture that you tweeted while we were doing the show of a picture of you doing the show.
2: Agreed. It was super meta. But I I thought it was important to add the visual element.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Have a fabulous rest of the week. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the show someday.
2: All right. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Well, friends, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Dear Prudence. But before we go, I wanted to read to you all a follow-up letter that we got about our recent conversation about the rules of losing a partner at sea um, and how long you have to wait before you can either have sex or date again um, to spare you all the embarrassment um, of showing up at the press conference when they are miraculously rescued two years in and you are like pretty seriously involved with somebody else because i don't want that for any of you Um, and i certainly don't want that for me Uh, so here's here's the letter uh hello i just listened to the podcast where you advise people whose partners have been lost at sea about how long to wait before starting to date again solid advice i'll abide by it should the situation arise which i'm very glad to hear by the way uh do you have any guidelines for how long people stranded on desert islands together should wait to start dating each other this is a fabulous question. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, it has absolutely been on my mind since I had the conversation about loss at sea. Um, and my answer is totally the opposite. With a deserted island, anything goes. Absolutely anything goes. Um, you are on a deserted island, you are under duress. You have no idea how long you'll survive. If you are lucky enough to be on a deserted island with other people, uh, especially other people that you find like sexually or romantically compelling, go to town. There are no rules. Um, It is not cheating. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say you should observe the first 48 hours out of respect, right? Because like you could be rescued. Those are, that's probably, like, the safest window for rescue is the first 48 hours. So you want to make sure that, like, you're not actually having sex, like, seven hours after you've been stranded when a helicopter, like, touches down. That would be embarrassing for you, uh, and I don't want that for you. Again, all my advice is always done to minimize embarrassment and to maximize just, like, social lubrication. So 48 hours. Um, Which you should be dedicating the first 48 hours to lighting shelter uh, signal fires and building shelter and finding food and water anyways like you should you should not be worried about that but more than 48 hours you have to assume that you are in there for the long haul and if like during your fight for survival you have enough energy to want to have sex absolutely go to town. Get into a relationship, get involved. Like if you have to come back and you're like, I'm sorry, I fell in love with this person on the deserted island. We have to be polyamorous now. Um, you you get to do that. I mean, they they get to say no, obviously, but like, yeah, you absolutely, yeah, you're the one and you're the one having a tough time. Rest easy knowing that your partner back at home is staying faithful because they don't know if you're alive or dead, um, and that you, uh, although you're going through a lot, probably developing scurvy. Um, You at least have the comfort of a warm body in the face of probable impending death. Because, um, you know, you got to be compassionate about situations like that. Thank you very much for checking in. Uh, please always, as always, guys, feel free to write to me with any questions about what sort of like wild, missing, stranded situations Um, you want me to make relationship rulings about. I can make rulings about like you know, gravity wells, wormholes, time loops, whatever you got, I'm here to tell you how long you have to wait. So give me a call. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. If you like this show, please go to iTunes and write us a review. It helps new people find the show, and then more of you get advice. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401 371 DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short 30 seconds, a minute tops. That's 401 371 3327. your face around town a while, so I greeted you with an annoying smile, when
0: I saw that girl upon your arm, and you should warm your heart with a fatal charm, I said soul boy, let's hit the town, let's hit, the hit boy, and what's with the frown, but in return, all you could say, was hi George, meet my fiancé Guns, guns, heavens, i crazy, they keep them on their own Wise guys realize there's danger in emotional ties. See single and no fears, no
2: tears, but I
1: want one, two, take a look at you. Death money! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?